You can check out all the episodes of The Table of Truth on our website, www.tableoftruth.com. Right, you guys ready? Yep. Ready. All right. Welcome everybody to the Table of Truth. This is your man Cam. Once again, I'm joined with uh, Cam from the West Coast. Cam Two, aka Hater with an Attitude. <laughs> and we have a special guest today. Actually, thank you for that, Cam, because I I'm, I'm the special guest, so I need to go last and respect the uh, the fellas that have been doing this. Cliff from the East Coast, New York City, aka No Cliff. I'm here. Yes. We got uh, Cliff Bayless in the house. <laughs> All right. Don't start already. Don't start already. Nah, man. I'm going to save that for the NFL episode. That's, yeah. the, that's next. We're gonna I know nothing NFL, about football. And then we coming back in for it. Um, Ant might join us whenever he you know wakes up. But uh, we'll see what happens. Not to hold my breath. <laughs> first, but, of all, um, first of all, how y'all doing? How y'all feeling? Not too bad, man. You know, it's uh, another beautiful day in the neighborhood. I'm still alive. That's you know, I'm being positive. I'm doing good. Yeah, right on, right on. Doing good as well. I uh, had my first attempt at making homemade cream corn. Nice. <laughs> All right, respect. And it turned out pretty good, pretty well. I know that's random, but I thought that was an interesting little tidbit. I've never done that before. Oh, nice. Yeah, man. I mean, now I've been on my my cooking <laughs> recently, so just finished up dinner today with some uh, chicken with asparagus, uh, roasted potatoes. A uh, nice uh, honey, honey glazed. <laughs> Humble bread. <laughs> Yo, man, I've been watching a bunch of freaking uh, what's it, um, uh, Master Stuff. That that yo, that's that show is intense, dude. They changed it to like a voice uh, type of uh, format now, and like I don't know how those home chefs literally know how to cook everything. They're like, all right, today you shall be cooking a cheese souffle. Like, who the hell knows how to do that? But hey, man, if you know your shit and you're a chef, you know, you got to have variety, right? Yeah, yeah. No, actually, it's pretty dope. Actually, I, I, I'm i actually digging it a lot. It gives me like more like, oh, man, I need to try to try different types of stuff. So but anyways, good stuff. Been cooking more. It's been fun. And, you know, it's healthier anyways. So um, but let's get to today's topics. First on the docket, uh, number one album in America right now. Uh, Mr. Marshall Mathers, a.k.a. Eminem, a.k.a. Slim Shady. AKA Rabbit. <laughs> Wait, it's number one al- uh, rap album or album? Uh, it's actually, let me double check. I th- it's number one rap album for sure. It might actually be the number one album. Wow. Okay. So Nikki. Yeah, I think it's uh, it hit it, it hit his numbers. I think it's the number one album right now. Also, Nikki, she might get mad. Seriously. Um, I only listened to the certain tracks about the dissing and some other randomness. I didn't really listen to all the other. So I know you guys got to listen to the whole thing. Um, I only listened to it once, and to be honest, the criticism I'm going to give is going to be unfair, but it's just my first take reaction to it. Um, so I, I came into listening to the album kind of with mixed feelings because um, I grew up with Eminem from the Wake Up Show days, uh, not knowing his origin and finding out he was a white guy that just really had bars coming up in the late 90s, early 2000s. And, you know, when this dude came out, he was different. He, I mean, he wasn't, he was different, but he actually had skills. He wasn't your typical mill, uh, vanilla ice type dude, or, you know, third base was tight, but you know, they are what they are, but he came in, connected with the right people. Um, and he had a, a shtick per se. 
Um, fast forward to today, uh, I wasn't really checking. I don't think I've ever bought an Eminem album, to be honest with you. I haven't really been checking for Eminem like that. However, when he does pop up on features from time to time, like the one he did with Busta Rhymes, sometimes it can be pretty dope. So there's a soft spot for, in my hip hop heart for Eminem because I remember who Renegade too, right? Yeah, Renegades. He's, I mean, he has some highlights. You know, he's like the white version of Big Pun. He'll you feature him, he's gonna body you if you're not careful. So fast forward, I gave the, the his latest album Kamikaze a quick listen. I noticed the cover looked like a Beastie Boys album cover. Uh, shout out to the Beastie Boys. But um, at first listen, it sounds like a guy that's 45 that's complaining about the new movement, but using the new movement in a parody, but also kind of making money off the new movement. So um, I understand what he's doing, but he just sounds like, remember the angry mad rapper? He sounds like the angry white rapper. And I miss the mad rapper, man. Why are you yeah. so mad for <laughs> But I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, I know people, MCs and artists want to grow and I'm not mad at him, but like, this is kind of like the content. He's a 45-year-old man, I'm assuming. I think he's 45. And he still sounds very angry. And I don't understand why he's angry. Or why does he have to feel a need to prove? He's in the, he's in the, the, the Hall of Fame of MCs with bars. He's from a certain era. He had mentioned it in one of his lyrics that, you know, we're from a different era where we, you know, represented skills and not the mumble rap. And we get it. You know, he's he's trying to do his Joe Button kind of take on the industry and all these people he's calling out. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, and because when you listen to his album, it sounds like a, a a bizarre ride into like the mind of Harlequin rapping. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just really weird because he has this like kitty, like Pee-wee's Playhouse type hooks and stuff. And then he goes into some few bars. None of the beats really grab me. There's a few highlighted moments with Royce the Five Nine and uh, I think her name is Jesse Reyes, which is kind of I was like, oh, this is gonna be dope, and it went into some left field stuff, so I wasn't ready for that. I'm kind of yeah, my album, but people tell me it's dope. Then there's people that tell me this is garbage, or it's just <laughs> like there was this white guy on Twitter who's just was making fun of Eminem, and he just did a voice like <laughs> and doing this, and it sounded like him. I was like, yo, if I didn't know that was Eminem, and he was just fucking around. It sounded like Eminem making fun of himself. But at the end of the day, I don't know. I mean, it's it's an album. It's out. I don't know how I made number one. Maybe just just the uh it's telling where we're at with albums, but maybe people wanted to hear M album because his last one was boot. Um but Which is crazy because that last album still debuted as number one as well. And so what does that what, okay, what does that tell us about ourselves? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ninth Wonder was saying this too. He was like talking about that, how like you know, people, you know, again, you know, people are dumb, so they just you know they like what they like. It's not like they're doing anything great, you know. The uh um yeah, his album now, I listened to the one it, it, I listened to the tracks that you know everyone was talking about, the dissing tracks or whatever, whatever, and it was cool. And but you're right, it just sounded like an old dude getting out a bunch of young guys. And I think you're the one that put that quote in about saying how when a, a legendary rapper disses a bunch of young kids, young kids are more excited about being mentioned as opposed to being dissed. Yeah. 
Because yeah, what part of the game is that? <laughs> well, I mean, well, remember, remember when Fresher when Fresher was on revival? Like that was the best thing that happened to Fresher in his entire life. Like he was so excited. Like every time you saw him, you wouldn't even have to have to ask him about being on Eminem's album. He would just bring it up himself. He's like, yo, yo, you gotta check me out on Eminem's album, man. My feature, my feature is fire, blah blah blah. But um, yeah, it was uh, it's one of those things where it's like, I think it, Eminem's still dope, which is awesome. But but he's a I, victim of his own success. Yeah, but that happens to every artist, and I think that I think for him, he was led because you know he's he's always been mad, more or less. Like mm-hmm. he's always been mad. That's his whole shit. That's his, his mo. Unfortunately, so now he's just mad about the current stuff. He has justification to be mad because all these dudes are whack. But I was laughing because, like, you know, Machine Gun Kelly out here freaking riding that wave as far as he can, popping bottles because Eminem mentioned him in a song, dropped another uh, diss track, which is whatever. Like he, you know, exactly for for an MGK record, it was actually pretty decent. Yeah, he's again, he's not bad. He's like he's a solid cat. He's not. I mean, I would not, you know, so I'm not pumping his music, but he's he can rap. He has a, a solid fan base. But mm-hmm. I think that's the bad part about the, this whole thing where it's like, yeah, for Eminem, as someone that's mentioning younger people that he doesn't like, it just literally gives them a platform to get pushed up as opposed to like well, being like, God, my, my, my thing with Eminem's album is that um, because the last one was so bad, um, when I saw that overnight uh, uh, notification that Eminem dropped the album, instantly my expectations were already below the ground. So when I first put on the ringer and I heard it and I was like, oh, this is this is old Eminem, right? And then when it came to a lot of the the dissing of the young artists or whatever, people that he has issues with, I didn't mind that because it just gave me a feeling like he's actually trying this time, even if it is a situation where he's just sounding like that old head guy. And I don't necessarily agree with the um, dissing the young rappers because that's low hanging fruit. That's easy. But because my expectations were so low from the last album, it was just refreshing to hear him sound like he actually gave a damn again. And it lets me know that he he listens to what people say about his music, or at least he has somebody on his team that tells him what people are saying about his music and the kids or whatever, whatever. So, you know, off first listen, and I, I think, yeah, I listened all the way through. I thought it was, I thought it was cool. It was decent. Was it like amazing? No, it wasn't amazing because Eminem again. He's in a weird spot where he's, I don't want to say he's a parody of himself, but he's just in this weird moment where he's so popular and so huge that he's almost required by his fans to stay as 1995M the best he can, even though he's past that and but maybe a certain part of him doesn't quite know how to mature past that and that's the difference between him and jay you know we sometimes bring this up with jay and 50 cent it's like jay in the part of his life he's he's older than all them guys but he's reached a point where he's not he's been able to move on past certain like emotional walls or guards in his life where he can be open with us and even though M, he's had a history of being an emotional emo guy, but it's almost a parody of being an emotional and emo and kind of like uh, edgy. And it's just, every, it's kind of to what Cam was saying before. It's just, it seems weird now. Like all that edge and. and yeah. Well, you also just, remember. Weird. Yeah. But you also remember, you know, we've all grown up now. Like we're not the same younger kids and all that. So now we're all grown ass adults and have different 
uh, ways to deal with anger and all that kind of stuff. So the angst part is just kind of like corny now or before. Yes, we're, like, not sure, we're not checking for white Jesus saying, hey kids, you like Primus? <laughs> you want to see yeah. me stick nine inch nails down my eyelids? No, hell no. That was exactly. 15 years ago. That was cool. Yeah. But now I'm I'm 38 years old. I'm not checking for white Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I said, and as far as spitters, he's in the Pantheon Hall of Fame of spitters who is respected. Oh, uh, yeah. And also you know, people, what people forget, too, is two things. One, all his albums hit number one when they came out. That's one. Two, mm-hmm. all of his albums went platinum. Like, like the last one, even though it was like not people didn't like it or whatever, it still went platinum. So like he has like he's like, you know, on the on the success side, boom, there. On the respect side, boom, there. So I think for this time, it's one of those things where when now that you've gotten to a certain point, it's almost like go have fun and do what you want to do as opposed to like get mad at Well, Joe Budden actually made a good point on the podcast. He said that on this album. Eminem is rapping like he still has something to prove, even though he doesn't really. True, true, very true. And also, I mean, the, I remember when he was, which is good on one end because he's still hungry. That's awesome. But it's bad mm-hmm. on the other end because it's like, yeah, you don't, you could still prove, you could still show that you're dope without naming the whacker guys under you. You know, mm-hmm. like I think um, there was a what album was it that was random? Oh, I was listening to the last like Ludacris album, which is super random. But it sounded like he was on his mom and his mom's couch writing rhymes. Like he was, he was on it. The beats were, were solid. He was rapping fire. Like I was, I was like really surprised. I was like, oh shit, you got some like, you got some little gusto under you. But it, also that comes from being in a better, comfortable place. You don't really need rap as your main source of income. So this is fun. So you got to get back to the essence of what you wanted to do. And I think for Eminem, I think he just got bored. And he's like, so he's at the. And then also now. to your point, Cam, that's a really interesting thing because you're talking about Ludacris and all the different avenues he has. For M, it's just rap. It is just rap. Yeah. But well, that's, 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 that's maybe a choice of Eminem. We don't yeah. know if it's just rap. If he's put in a position like that or he could, he, I mean, he could take the film route if he wanted to. Yeah. He still produces, you know, and he still has his label and like, you know, like, so there's all, there's tons of things that, but yeah, I think that aspect of it where, you know, there's nothing, you're right, the, I think rap music right now is in the weird space because the the people that were lording over for so long are now starting to get older and they're trying to figure out where their place is, you know, like Dre dropped his 4-4 album, eh, I didn't like it, but I see why people were so into it because of the maturity of it. And he's, he's now a damn near 50 year old man with three kids and is married. And like, you know, like he's like showing that in his record and, and showing that rap can age. So I think for Eminem, I think he probably needed to have showed a little bit that he is a mid forties dude, as opposed to still trying but to, you know, if this, if this is the evolution, maybe the next re- record will be his four, four, four. You know what I mean? Cause Jay had to go through Magna Carta, Holy Grail, Kingdom Come, all that, like even Blueprint Three, was kind of questionable. Besides a few joints, where it was just kind of like, questionable. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Empire! It was an Empire State of Mind or whatever it was, like his biggest record ever. I Man, after the Blueprint, it went all down here. Look, look, the Black Album is two thousand three. Okay, sorry. Let me let me let me let me let me retract. Black Album is the last album I checked for. Just because it had Knife Wonder on there, yeah, I agree. That's it. But let me let me say this: um, two things. Personally, I think M should have went the route of MJ, Michael Jordan, but AKA Andre Three Thousand, and quit while he was ahead. Yeah. Because everybody went to Andre Three Thousand first, and he just pops up, blesses us, and then goes back and does whatever he does in his own world. Oh, also, yeah. I think M sounds like. 
black artists complaining white artists get more shine. But when I say that, M sounds like the guy that saying that these mumble rappers are getting more shine than him. And now he's experiencing, I guess, the not the hatred, but being left out because he's not like because Emers had a song about that. He was like, I know people that's better. He was kind of I think he was talking about Eminem, but we don't get the shine because we're not white. You know what I'm saying? And now it sounds like M is kind of in that same lane, but he's talking about we don't get that shine because we're not mumble rapping or we're not conforming. And it sounds like he's complaining. Do you think he's do you think he's upset that he's not getting the shine or is he upset because he's a rap purist and doesn't want to hear like mumbly shit? Well, the thing is, though, he's complete. He's complaining. He sounds like he's feeling left out. Like people don't respect him. We do respect you, him, but like that was that era. Like mm-hmm. you could come out and do some dope stuff and be the same on Eminem, but at the same time, um, am I trying to listen to like just just like it's the, the whole album sounds like that? And then he tries to say I'm different, or he tries to uh, make an album that's different by. Mimicking and using a parody like some weird ad on Yankovic, humble <laughs> rap, and, and and it was funny. And he was like, "If you ain't Cole, uh, Kendrick, and whoever that dude he had on this feature, oh, uh, Jordan, Jordan Lucas, who's actually really yeah, good. yeah, yeah that, that's song. actually a really good song. But the thing is, Jordan Lucas and that track sound like the new wave, which is fine. But don't talk about the new wave when you're trying to exploit the new wave by using it to your own means to make it a successful album go number one. Just to prove Yeah, that's point. true. Yeah. I mean, but also too, it's like, you know, all real like rappers could easily mimic the current style and make a, a fire song exactly the same way without trying. And I think that was the point. But unfortunately, when you make fun of it, you basically make it as opposed to just being like before you could make fun of a, a style and people are like, oh, hey, you're making fun of it. But now no. you can't even tell people are making fun of it because it just looks like you're trying to mimic it. Remember, it's even worse. You ever see well, that I mean, to, give, to give the young guys credit, you got to have a certain kind of swag to be able to pull it off. Like, I don't want to hear some of these old ass rappers trying to do the, the double time flow because they'd they be out here sounding really corny. OK, let me step. Let me let me step back from that comment. Now, the double time flow has been around before us. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but Snoop has said it best. When he got on the track of one of the hot young rappers, and he was like, Man, I got up there trying to go. And he was like, What am I doing? This is not me. I'm yep. Snoop. Stick, stick to my lane. Now, the only one that I can remember right now, gun to my head, was Biggie, who flipped the bone mm-hmm. thug style mm-hmm. and, and did it where we were like, Yo, this is crazy because he was hanging, you know. And he was hanging tough, and he flipped that whole double time rap. Yeah. So, but also too, a, modern, a modern day version is is Jay too on the Carter's album. Yeah, a little bit. Too. But I would say, like, the thing is, like, you know, rappers don't style anymore. They pretty much have one style. They stick with it and they keep it moving. And then, so the the older ones, a lot of them try to at least have different styles. They would have more. They would actually flip styles. Biggie was really good at that. He could flip different types of styles. Sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't. You know, Pac literally had just mastered his one style and kind of rock with it. It was completely fine. Snoop, same thing. Busta was a good example of flipping styles. We could actually go from different, like, double time to slow to middle. You know, but you know, even stuff. back then, I think those type of rappers may have been the exception to the rule. The yeah. rule is going to be the Snoops, the Nas's, the Jays, even Kane, even though he had a really dope flow, they were kind of known for one thing. And then every now and then you get a Big or a Busta or a Redman that could really flip it. But yeah, uh, I'm gonna give a small shout out to the King of Style, Mike and I, Freestyle yeah. Fellowship. 
Actually, uh, hey, okay. actually, I was actually uh freaking uh like five blocks away from the good life this weekend. What's up? Pretty random. But uh yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean the 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 part the lost art of rap now, I think in the mainstream, is the lack of styles. Like before you would have totally a lot of different artists, but each one would be very distinctive in their voice and in their style. Where like now you really can't tell. It's a it's a mix of the Migos and Drakeish and all that kind of mixed up together. And so when someone messes messes around with it, that's when they that's when people are just like, oh, you're just trying to copy the style. Like every like uh someone was talking I've about inciting. Somebody was talking about Drake and saying how he's really good at copying other people's styles and incorporating it to his flow, which mm, actually that's true. he is. And but the reason why and nobody is, calls him out on that shit. Yeah, but the reason why is because he's he can rap. Like I, that's the thing. Like whether you like him or not, he can rap. And so when he flips a style and he actually he'll flip that style, do it decently, and then be passable slash make a hit record off of it. As True, but it's just, how does he how does he get away with it without you know right up from the griot and the root breaking down why he's appropriating and blah 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 because he's a black guy. Well, when does that <laughs> stop? Though? He's not a black British guy or a black Caribbean guy. You know how they do. Well, yeah. I mean, look, we he, we know. See, the thing about Drake is we know what he is. Yeah, exactly. You know, he don't go out proclaiming I'm yep. a top five, top ten MC at the same yeah. time. We understand what Drake is. Drake is a, a performer. And look, when Drake came on the scene, I enjoyed Drake's music, especially what is the best I ever did or best I ever had. Oh, yeah. Cool. Right. It was uh, pop on gone. That was a dope yeah. album. It was, it was fun. Um, but the thing is, though, like I took Drake for at face value. You know, he's an entertainer, but he can make songs and he can make good music. And uh, I was like, OK, that's cool. But then when he got into these rap battles, you know, I expected Drake to get bodied by so-called MCs that live and breathe the battle, aka Meek Mills. And Meek Mills dropped the ball, and Drake is winning these battles, and it became a parody of it. But it was funny, it was cool. But at the same time, I don't look at Drake as like, oh, he's in my top twenty MCs. And heck, no, I like Drake for what he is, a singing rapper that he is. He's entertaining, he's fun. I'm not mad at it. Drake is like the version of grape soda. Yes, I drink grape soda because it's good. So that's how I look at it. Yeah, I mean, and also too, like again, like Drake's, and I laugh because for everyone that was like, "Oh, Drake is whack," and then he can, you know, he raps, and you're like, "Well, he's he can rap." Like, I'm not saying he's top five, I'm not saying he's top ten, not even saying he's top twenty, but mm-hmm. at least the at least the cat A has appreciation for it. When like, say for instance, when he does a Caribbean type stuff, he works with Caribbean artists. When he does some Afro. Uh, uh, some Afro house stuff. What does he do? Work with Africans. Like he'll like. And so one person made a good point. They're like, when the top selling artist in the world wants to venture into a style, but then works with the people of that style, that's almost what you hope to happen. You know. Hmm. So that's why, like, more and more every time Drake does some stuff, like he's doing freaking um, be more bounce stuff. And his the last track has Big Frida uh, sampled in it. Big Frida's in the video. Like so, it's like make those little small touches is the one things that Jake actually gets right. And then, that, and then that way, it actually allows them to quote unquote toe the line of like appropriating slash not, you know. So, so one, one, one quick thing too. Also, uh, I, I'm never mad at Drake for when he jumps on a new wave and does it and try to runs with it. Like when he did the whole barrier, like thing, did the yeah. type thing. Uh, it was cool. I was feeling it. I mean, it was it was it is what it was. It was fun. I never took it as anything too serious. Like, oh, he's stealing. Yeah. He's one. He's he's us. He's one yeah. of us. Yep. 
No, um, you you're right. You're absolutely right. I I feel exactly exactly the way you do. It's yeah. just you know here in New York, um, I'm I'm frequently around the Afropunk crowd, and it's a whole nother mindset. <laughs> about stuff like that. Well, because that's because you know black is a specific way in that crowd, and so. If you're not in that of that realm, then they they all look at you sideways. Like you have to be part of a specific thing in the diaspora to be able to express yourself in that. That's you know, dark. Yeah, but that, I mean, like, and then that just goes into a whole another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do we got a special guest in the house right now? Oh, hello. Yo, hello. yo, yo. What's, what's going on, y'all? Cliff, what's good, my guy? <laughs> what's good, man? Southern what's gentleman. Good, Southern gentlemen, I thought we got a little hurricane scare right now, so you know. So it's going. We we thought you was playing deadbeat dad again. You left. <laughs> nah, I'm I'm here. I just had to just get situated. That's about it. That's about it. Listen uh, to y'all. With, well, listen to y'all with Drake. I ain't want to interrupt. You know. You want to chime in real quick? Give you two cents. Well, well, for me, Drake, he just he just makes a lot of content. So I don't my my son loves him. I love him. He's like a he's the Michael Jackson of rap right now, man. You know, so I can't knock him. I don't I don't hate him. I don't he he's he's good. I don't I don't think he's in my top. Like you said, I don't put him in a category of like top five, top ten. He just make good music. He makes music that people like to listen to over and over and over and. You need that. He, he he's nice. Yeah, he's I nice. Actually, I actually believe that. Um, also, on the rap tip, you can say uh, rest in peace, Mac Miller passed away over the weekend. Rest in peace. And uh, yeah. it was interesting because Mac Miller is one of those dudes that he had a very sizable and solid fan base, but he also fucked with a lot of heavy hitters on the low and back and back behind the scenes. And so when underground he passed, pop, yeah, so, yeah. So when he passed away, there's a lot of people that were kind of you know. Uh, you know, paying tributes. You know, he brought a lot of people on tour. He did, um, and he was really young. I didn't realize he's only twenty six. I actually thought he was older. I didn't either. I thought he was older too. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. So that I think it's it's interesting because like you see the amount of people that used to, that was uh, that did you know work with them, fooled with them, and that kind of stuff. But then also they were also kind of sharing the same thing of like you know if you are in that uh, depressive you know state to reach out, not be not be solo in it, and all that kind of stuff. I will say this about um, Mac. He's one of the few millennial rappers that I actually enjoyed. I remember him. It was a uh, oh my god, I can't even think of his name. Who's the guy that came up with Black and Yellow? Uh, Wiz Khalifa. Yep, that's cool. Yeah. He, so he's from the Pittsburgh area, and I remember one of my friends from Oakland. He had put me on him. Uh, put me on to him a long time ago, and he made fun music, good music. He. He 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 had a style that was kind of reminiscent of the old school, but it was fun. It was party hop. He had you know way out there topics. He was different. He had a couple tiny room uh, sessions. I mean, he did it right. I I I really enjoy uh, Duke from afar, and I I think I have one of his albums in my little collection somewhere floating in here. So he was one that I, I like. "Quote unquote tolerated," you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and and really respected. And when he died, I was like, "That's cold." And yeah, I didn't realize how young he was either. He, he was he brought a lot of heads when he passed away. A lot of heads was chiming in, saying how they really, really, yeah. really got affected by his presence being gone from this earth. And I didn't know he touched that many people. I know he had a, obviously. I knew he had a fan base, 
you know, but I didn't know it was that deep of a fan base and how much how many people he really worked with and affected. Because I remember he said he brought on Rhapsody. Yeah, and so that's he hit up mm-hmm. Blank Wonder and said, "I want Rhapsody to open for me on tour," and you know that's crazy. So, shout out to Mac Miller. I remember um, I, he came to my attention. I think maybe like six or seven years ago, but I was never a huge fan. I mean, I appreciated his music. I respected him, but I wasn't, I wasn't huge into him. And I think, I think he first popped off like kind of on the college circuit, right? Cause he was doing yeah. a lot of, uh, cause that, that's the crowd that was listening to his music at first. Yep. And then they connect with uh, Wiz Khalifa. And he, he worked with one of my favorite producers, uh, Pomo. I think he's, I think he's from Canada, Canadian yep. producer. And and then the stuff that he did with uh, Anderson Pac on the last album was really good, and um, I haven't had a chance to listen to all of. Uh, I think it's Swimming is the, yeah, the name. Of, yeah, the, the new one. The new one. I've listened to it. Yeah, I've only heard like one or two tracks, and they were both they were both good. But I haven't had a chance to listen to the whole thing. But I just, as we said before, I really respected the fact that he got love from not just hip hop artists but jazz artists like Robert Glasper. Or mm-hmm. Glasper is like a hybrid, like. R&B, jazz, whatever. Um, there were just so many people around the music industry in general that that messed with him because he seemed to be a really cool dude. And when he when he had to, he could be just a down downright cold MC, uh, along with the singing and the instrumentation and all that. So, yeah, yeah, man, it was actually really interesting. I think the uh, especially for the young kids too, because some the, a lot of the kids that listen to him have been listening to him for, since he started, which was like when he was at like 19 or something like that. So then they've been growing, mm-hmm. growing with his music. And so the the outpouring for the, uh, you know, the condolences and all that kind of stuff. But then also the starting that conversation of drug abuse and substance abuse and all that kind of stuff uh, keeps it moving as well. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, the thing with that, I'm no. oh, sorry, go ahead. No, nah, I was gonna say I don't really, I haven't really played his music, unfortunately. Well, I'm not gonna say unfortunately. I just don't. I'm still stuck in all. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a grandfather of music, man. I, I don't give these these young kids chances no more. I try, I try, Cliff. I try, and nine out of ten is normally bad, but I just wish that these people would just stay the weed, man. Like these <laughs> extra drugs and yo. And, and that's I don't know. A good point. That's what I was gonna say next is like I don't understand. Like you know, obviously we had we messed with weed and shit back in the day, maybe some like psychedelics or whatever, if we were feeling, you know, uh, adventurous, but it's the ease at which a lot of kids today take these prescription drugs and abuse them to just pop off on social media. It's crazy to me. Yo, I don't understand. Like, maybe it's my old head thing. Nah, it's not like, how, how, how can you be like, I would, Chronic is enough. Like, where you trying to? Where you trying to go? You you looking for the? You looking for the the gems? Like, like what's what's going on? I don't I don't but know you where know, you want to go. But the thing about that is, is like with all this social media distress and anxiety that these kids have, if if they're not popping on social media in a way that they feel helps their social status, they become very like uh, anxious and. A lot of them feel the only way to come down and to feel good about themselves is taking a lot of these prescription drugs. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off that, Cliff. I'm gonna say when we were when we were kids and growing up, what was the what's the biggest thing we were worried about? Uh, we we and even before that, it was dare. You know, it was like stay off drugs. It was coke. Obviously, we wasn't doing coke as kids, but it was like you saw a person smoking weed, you thought it was like crazy. And yo. Like I said, when you saw Pookie from New Jack, that was enough for me. Yep. To say, I saw no, a record, record for a dream. I'm good. Yeah. But, but, but nowadays, you know what? The yeah. kids, 
the kids deal with things differently. We didn't deal with depression when we were kids. It was it, that didn't exist. You know what I'm saying? Like so nowadays, kids have more accessibility to these uh, to this pharmaceutical drugs, and they abuse it because it's a way for them to escape instead of finding another outlet. For us, the outlet was it was t- it toughened us up because our parents would be like, "Hell no!" Nah. Because remember, in the black community, it's it's taboo to say I need to go see a psychiatrist while I'm dealing with depression because that's looking frowned upon. But now it's kind of normal. But then these, I think, in my opinion, these kids are going about yeah. trying to ease their stress a whole different way, and sometimes it's not cool because he was depressed because from the he dealt with drugs but because of his breakup with uh, ariana grande it really took him to a deeper level that i don't think he could deal with and no one really was there i don't know if anybody was there but i mean obviously he decided that drugs was his only outlet so yeah and also too, you know. I mean, like like people dealt with depression in our time they always have but it's just like it was done a different way and then it wasn't as um widely talked about so like now the most interesting parts to me is you know, people talked about depression, like you listen to, you know, Ghostface albums, he'd be an emo about his stuff, but he had different ways of dealing with it. But you talk about now, a lot of the kids, when they're dealing with depression, they're automatically turning to pills and whatnot to kind of dull it or whatever, as opposed to like, you know, working through it or all those other things. So there's, we're in a really weird spot where like people um, are depressed, but then they're popping Zans all the time or they're using all these different type, type of drugs. That's the first thing they go to, as opposed to sitting down talking about the feelings or whatever. Or even with the, you know, someone's talking about the depressing music and how like there's all the emo rappers and like, it's always been there, but it's never been at this level where it's like, eh, like so many people keep talking about it over and over and over again. And it's even crazier because- And see, that's the thing. When I when I hear, not to interrupt you, Cam, but when I hear like, I think it's Juice World come on the radio, right? And he's talking about, I take pills to make me feel fine. It's just like, it's, I don't. It's weird to even listen to that after Mac Miller. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's not yeah. a game. Yeah, but but yeah. the way they, yeah. but the way they look at it is that's how. I mean, and you know, America's over medicated. We all know this is you know bit long documented. Yeah. But now yeah. it's but it but it's one of those things where you know it's it's crossed over more in a popular realm. Like you know Mer- the Molly Percocet song and all the other dumb shit where it's like people are hearing it in their music now. So now it's like oh that's what I do. I hear them doing it too. Okay, now I feel like I'm normal as opposed to, all right, maybe I'm taking way too much drugs. Maybe I do need to talk, seek somebody out and all that mental health stuff. And like, there's tons of things. I think a lot of people are getting, it's it's good that people are talking about mental health and having that conversation. But then also, you know, in a time where we're more quote unquote connected than ever, and we're even more like, like, you know, lonely as everyone keeps saying. Well, as far as going back, as far as drugs, my psychiatrist was, the fucking leather belt. Like if you did something wrong, you get, you get your ass whipped. That's what. That's the first. That's so that alone, we was all scared of that almighty beating. So, and as far as us with drugs, I think it has trying to connect. When you said about social media, we all grew up with friends playing sports. We was all social. So if any one of us did some dumb shit, I think one of our friends would have picked it up. So we wasn't as stressed because we were playing sports. We were just doing more. Things were interactive. So I think with today's kids, it's all they just doing stuff by themselves. Or maybe they just maybe their friends ain't really their friends. It's just social media friends. Yeah. I mean, it's, because, like say, it, it, there's, a, there's a new study out that people were talking about how te- teens would rather uh, do a text uh, group and talk text to their friends. and talk to their friends. 
Yeah, so I don't. I don't think it's really their friends. It's more. It's more. It's, it's all a front. Uh, uh, it's, it's all a front to me. And then when when the cameras go off, the Twitter goes down. They stress as a motherfucker, and then they lean to different drugs. I'm. I'm not saying this is 100 percent accurate, but it's just. It's just different now because we was never like this growing up. So how did it just change all of a sudden? I mean, I think it was still there. It's just you know very down deep. You know, you're not talking about going to the you know therapist to work out your, your anger management issues or your depression. I mean, yeah, like, because every generation has their own thing, right? Like, because the generation before is like, what the hell are these kids doing? I can't believe. It. But you know, it it manifests in its own way in, in every generation. Yeah, I mean, also too, I think the I do I do like that people are utilizing mental health services better yeah. now, at least to get all really talk out their feelings and like kind because of, you know we all got issues from childhood up to now and this and that because you know whatever. But I think also too, unfortunately, the other downside of that is you're right the 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 over reliance on on drugs and pills to quote unquote normalize you. Is the part that's like I think is the bad part of it because you have way too many people that are just like yeah you know I, I like I know folks that were like just on Zan all the time like wake it up just, you know wake and bake wake and bake was like oh I know that but then now they're telling me they're just popping these pills like every single day I'm like like how are Yo, you normal but but Cam what are you stressed about <laughs> <laughs> no, what are all... you what what is street what's getting no, you to the point where you have to what's stressing you out. Day. And I didn't get enough likes on my Instagram. And yes, some of, some of this, some of this, some of this stuff. I'm sorry to say, man, you got to man up, woman up a little bit because if our generation didn't go through this, why is it different? Why well, is it well, have to let, be let's now? Fair, and their, their minds are wired differently than ours because they were born into the internet, where a lot of them were. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, that's true too. And also remember, oh. like, think about it: if we had social media in high school, like they do now. But, but my mother, but my mother, my mother had that leather belt. So that belt, that belt was the balance. That that was the Darth Vader of this whole shit. That was. But, but <laughs> nowadays, you know, that's child abuse, aunt. Oh <laughs> well, well, yeah, what are you? Physical abuse. There's mental. <laughs> there's uh, I don't know. There's like 17 of them now, so I can't even get. I can't even chop it up anymore. Yo. But I, I used to threaten my mom and say I'll call child services. She's like, she'll just call them. I'll beat your ass before they beat it. <laughs> yeah, I'll beat them while they did. Like, yeah. I'll beat them. Yo, listen, the best. That's why I always say, man, Joe Jackson. He's the great one of the one of the greatest. You got all your kids in the Rockwell Hall of Fame, man. Like you can't you can't sit here and say that beatings don't work. You can't. I mean, and I'm not. I'm not. Listen, I'm not before disclaimer because I know everybody's so sensitive now. I'm not promoting violence. I ain't promoting abusing your kids. I got a hashtag. Don't take me serious <laughs> to an extent. But yo, man, I'm. I, it, it, it can't be that different, Cliff. Even with social media. People is too soft now, man. Like, what are you going to drugs for? Why? What's what's so stressed? Why are you so stressed, man? I mean, Why? Like, like I said, man, it's a it's it, it's more a mix of social media adds to the people's anxiety. There's more people with anxiety now than there ever has been. Just with cases like people actually going into the doctor, but like I have anxiety, and that mixes with social media, which compounds you seeing other people's stuff, blah 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 blah, FOMO, all the other crap. So there's like so many different factors that impact your life, like. People just trying to unplug, and like that's a big deal. Oh, guys, I gotta take a break from Facebook; it's just too much. Or I gotta delete Instagram off my phone, or all these other just things. Like, every, like the the amount of information that's coming to you all at once is fucking up your whole situation. Where it's harder for you just to be 
chill because you're like comparing yourself or doing all this extra stuff. And not everyone handles it differently, you know? And so that's why you're seeing them the more, the more of the anxiety, the more of, you know, FOMO and all the other stuff, which adds to depression and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yo, I met a girl who lives by me. She's stressed out because she had to water her garden and because her mother told her to and she's stressed. She has to see help. I'm like, yo, the littlest things is, is stressing you out. I guess people like you. I guess we're just wired different, man. I don't. I, we're just wired. I'm wired different. <laughs> but well, sh- I mean- stress, stress. The stress to me is when your rent, your rent, your rent, you can't make your rent or some shit. That's stress, man. Everything yeah. else, they, they, I don't know. Yeah, actually, uh, I was two weeks ago, I was hanging out with uh, one of my friends, couple. They have a four month year old, and they have, they have a four month and they have a four year old, and white couple. And the four year old was a terror. Like, she was running around. She wait, was, wait, Ken, did you just give a disclaimer? Yep. <laughs> I said this specifically because uh, I was watching this go down and like, you know, four month old baby, four year old, four year old was running everywhere, like rolling on the ground, making snow angels. Like we're in a, a hotel situation. There's mad people like walking around and then just making a scene and doing And I'm watching this and I'm laughing because my nieces, if this is my niece, like that would have never happened. A, because the way my brother has, has raised his daughters and his ne- uh, sons. But also, too, there's a certain level of almost um, exasperation that the parents had. Like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do with this. He's just all over the place. And there's like no control over the child, which on one end, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. The kid could be free and do his other thing. But on the other end, as a black person, I'm like, yo, this child would have died. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. like a black parent would have picked him up by their head and be like, what are you doing? But (laughs) but that, that contrast in how the parenting style was interesting to watch because they were like literally just exasperated. Like they were so tired. They just like, they looked in it because they had no control over their situation where I've seen the exact opposite where I've seen parents that be like, they have complete control. Like, and I laughed because my brother, he's like, you know, you don't negotiate with terrorists. Like your children are terrorists. Dude. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's it's, like, no, it's, no it's like beatings. It's like we took, and when we say beatings, we mean butt whoopings people, but yeah, took, exactly. When we took butt whoopings, you either came out like us, normal, upstanding students, or you turned into old dog. It was menace to society. So it could, like, yeah, it go either way. So beatings or butt whoopings didn't always turn out right. True. But I am a proponent of the better side of disciplinary action. I, just, mm-hmm. I, think, I think it. I think it added a sense of respect and level of authority. So I like. I noticed that the most. Like my. Um, my sister-in-law, um, my other brothers, she negotiates with her child all the time. And I noticed that when I saw that, I saw that her daughter didn't really respect her. Like, Who we got to negotiate? Yeah, exactly. She was yelling at her. She was cussing at her. It was, just, <laughs> it was like really disrespectful. And then she would try to do the same thing to me or any of my brothers. And we're like, who are you talking to? Like, mm-hmm. you're a child. You have no right. You better go sit like, behind us like, somewhere. But again, but that, it also goes back to like I, I, seeing those kids. And then so now you have kids that grow up that were negotiated with and they kind of got you know they got the participation trophies we talked about this earlier before like ant was you know talking about as well but i started to see it now where i see the the you see the um the results of all that now where it's like harder for these kids to have you know to deal with adversity and like they're stressed over things that they shouldn't be stressed over that kind of thing but you know what the kid you know how to you know how this conversation used to end but why mommy because i said so that's it And, and and if you talk and if you talk back, you might get a you might get roundhouse. And but it wasn't. 
not not to extend this out too far much longer, but you know, today and you have to, you know, talk to your child. <laughs> why they are participating in a conversation as a human being and not being dictated yo, to. Yeah, and, and, and yo, Marcus is like uh, Anthony. Hey, have a conversation. Uh, I, don't, I just, I just, uh, I just don't agree with the way you talk to me. I think you should treat me as a man and uh, not talk me down to me. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm ca- I'm Captain Picard in this ship, yo. You do what the hell I say. Well, I'm dropping you off somewhere in the moose, man. That's that's it. I'm beaming you right out of here. That's it. We're not talking. But I know I don't. You know it's funny. I I talk this now, but I have I have yet to be hit my son. But I do give him the stares of all stare. My tone of voice change. He knows when I'm upset. I count to five. And, and that's shit. He knows after five, do not play with me. Like, I'm not going to sit here and break it down to why I told you you can't have that bag of chips. And so that, 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 that just goes like he actually, like, has a respect for you and understand what you're saying. But um, if you yeah, look at you got to see me in on me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, speaking of disrespect, Serena Williams. Oh, baby. Heavily. Although, heavily. to be fair, what she was arguing about, she was slightly in the wrong. But the way it was carried out, I think, was completely wrong. And yeah. so, like, I, that's what the thing I had to go back to. I was like, I was so, gonna, okay. that was, that was Stephen A. Smith's argument. No, Cam, Cam. So let's give a little context. Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So, so break it, break uh, it. Down, well, as much as I know, so U.S. Open, Serena versus Naomi Osaka. Uh, Osaka, who I also follow on Twitter, good follow. Uh, both are of African descent. Uh, mm-hmm. Serena, obviously African American, and Naomi Osaka is Haitian and Japanese. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, they were both in the final, and you know, for the black community, this was a win-win situation. Basically. However, uh, all jokes aside, the controversy arose when Serena was accused. I think the first violation, she was accused of cheating because they gave a thumbs up her and her coach in the sidelines, and I guess the dude called her out on it. Then something else had happened where Serena uh, exploded in the tire, slammed the racket, had a tirade, called the ref a thief, and there was a big controversy and kind of resulted in her losing the match. So at the ceremony, and I'm paraphrasing, but at the ceremony, you know, uh, I guess the crowd was in there booing or kind of just kind of mixed reaction, and Serena was like, trying to be the bigger person was like, hey, let's not divert the attention away from the real winner here, which is uh, Naomi. But, you know, because I was like, I have my own gripes, but let's let's remember who who won the match and let's celebrate that. And Very uh, yeah, the aftermath of that, comics were coming out saying that she was spoiled. Uh, uh, I was a spoiled loser and a hysterical, uh, hysterical, hysterical. I think so, one thing that people have to realize, I'm sorry, go on, Kim. No, no. So go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say one thing that people have to realize is that, you know, Serena, even more so than Venus, because I think Serena is a bit more of an emotional player, is that they've carried the weight of being kind of the, I won't say the first black woman, but the first black woman to do what they do, right? And, And how successful they've been. She's had to carry a lot of that and the racism that's related to that and the sexism, sexism that's related to that for years now, ever since they were little kids. So, you know, whether or not the, 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 the ref ruled by the letter of the law, you know, obviously he didn't handle it right, but 
that's why I'm not I'm not too like hard on like she shouldn't act this way or, th or that way because she's carried so much on her back, her and her sister for all these years. There's really no other way you can react when a, a, a situation like that comes up because you've had so much, you've carried that weight for so long, for so, not just for them, for, for black America overall and in a yeah. space where we're supremely underrepresented. Yeah, and also there, you know, there's already been like, you know, tons of tweets talking about, these are all the, the white girls that did the same thing. They never got penalized for it or that kind of stuff. So that's, that's already out there. Um, but I think also too, it's not so much of the actual match itself that happened, whatever it's more the reaction after. And I think that's the part that people really are uh, more upset about. Jamil Hill was talking about that too. And I think like, you know, whatever happened with the match, you know, bad calling, whatever, whatever. All right. That's the thing. But then it's the more the reaction and the reporting of it. And how you know the same uh, trigger words were used for you know a black woman, angry black woman, hysterical, meltdown, those type of things, as opposed to used with other you know other athletes, whether it would be argument or you know tough words or something to that effect. And so that's the part where they're <coughs> trying to like a lot of people were trying to make make the point of. And of course, like you said, like the amount of racism and sexism that they've dealt with literally their whole career, even though she's like you no know, top five athlete of all time. Um, adds to it even more. So then, then, then it, whether she was wrong or not, now it's more. It's got. It's become more yeah. than that. You know. Well, can I can I can I say something real quick? Well, and I want y'all to chime in on this statement. Well, for one, as far as the angry black woman, I didn't really like the the, the drawing of what the artist did with the picture. Now, as y'all as artists, maybe that he just being artistic, meaning she's an angry black woman. But we'll get to that in a minute. But with Serena, I have a problem with. It is not her fault, but if you want to be labeled as just an athlete, you got to stop throwing out that woman card for that purpose only. I get it that it was she's a it black woman. I get it that she's a black woman and she has to carry the weight, but at the end of the day, you are an athlete, and when athletes complain and they get called for a penalty, you cannot throw in, well, it's because I'm this, it's because I'm that. If you want to be treated equal as a man, then you cannot keep throwing out the woman card uh, to a certain extent. Uh, we'll and I want y'all to try, I want y'all to chime in on that. And, and I'm and I'm not vilifying her for that, but if you want it to be equal, you're just gonna have to just take it, man. Well, uh, my first reaction is like, okay, here we go again. Someone did something uh, stupid, and we're all gonna come to the defense of Serena. But after kind of weighing it out and looking at it, I, so the flip side is. Um, I used to watch tennis, and there was a player by the name of John McEnroe. John McEnroe was infamous for his tirades against the refs on the side or the sideline judge, excuse me, cursing them out. And so a lot of backlash towards Serena has been uh, she's a spoiled athlete or like a sore loser. And to a point, I understand that. You know what I'm saying? I think, and she was accused of cheating. And I think her coach even said, yeah, I was coaching her at the end of the day. So, yeah, um, he did say that. so the ref was right, you know, and, and Serena did make this whole, like, I'm holier than thou attitude. It's like, if I cheated, I would just rather lose Well, you were cheating. Mm -hmm. he, was, he was in the right. I'm just going by what I heard. You know, if that's the case, then, you know, I thought it was another case of the ref trying to be bigger than the game. Now, on the flip side is the perception is uh, she's getting called out for what white men have done, or excuse me, white people have done, let alone white men have done. And she being a not only a champion, but a black champion, but a black woman that is a tennis champion. That's not the norm. Uh, 
also stands out. Now, a lot of people said she's not doing anything for women's rights. This is not, and, and to your point, and the pundits who are also white, the tennis pundits were saying that this does not have anything to do with women's rights, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of had to take a step back because I had to understand the situation as best as I can from the outside looking in. I do, do I think she overreacted? Uh, yeah. I mean, but if she wants to have a, it's like fighting in hockey. It's part of the norm. If she wants to chew out the rep. She chew out the rep. People like that. It's entertainment. Um, mm -hmm. but when she started to bring the women's rights, ah, you got to be careful because this is not something to talk about pay or nothing like that. You got caught cheating. He called you out on it. Yeah. That's what it is, you know? And, and well, my question, because I'm not, I don't watch tennis like that, but yeah. I heard one commenter say that, you know, a lot of, players get away with stuff like that and obviously like you know it's against the, the law the rule of the law in the book but it's not called that often or something like that and yeah. or at least in 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 important situations like that so does that factor in i mean i think a little bit but i think also the bigger the bigger issue to me is it's like was she wrong probably she, she break the law yeah does she deserve to lose a game ah i don't think so just for the fact okay, that didn't get she if that didn't get called, would she have won, or was Osaka uh, already so far? Point. So I think the the precedent, uh, the precedent she was losing. Different. I think. Well, it's losing. not even. Yeah, it's not even that because it's the. I think this is the part where the, the the umpire messed up. I think there's been precedent where people argue with the ref. That's that happens. Whatever. The fact that she lost the actual game and that's something that's different. That's the reason why people are really more upset. And I think that. Um, like I think, like again, if she didn't lose that game, she more likely probably would have lost. And I, honestly, that would have been the best outcome. Oh, young up and comer won. Serena lost, and Serena's a good loser when she loses. She's like, oh man, you got me. All right, I'm gonna get you next time. Like it wouldn't have been a thing. I think the fact is because that the the, the judge actually doctored a game, and that hasn't happened in a long time. And for people that do similar things, and that's why I made it extra. Then on top of that, you know, she'd already had issues with, you know, French Open and all them about the bodysuit and stuff. So it was like, it just, there was, this, it just compounded everything. So mm -hmm. whether she was right or wrong is almost irrelevant. But she, it's more about the reactions of everything. After. But you know what, you know what's funny though? You, like for instance, the NBA, do you know how many superstars can curse out a ref? But if a but if a best player does it, he'll get he'll get called the tech. It's the same thing. Yo, you, you ain't chew, chew, chewing out Joey Crawford. You gonna get Tim Duncan <laughs> got ejected. You will be ejected. Yeah, but it's a, it's a double standard with for sports. Period. That's just how it is. And that now, if she feels that it's because he's a woman, he's a man. I'm not gonna sit here and dispute how she feels because she plays the game every day. And she sees it, but. If somebody makes a call, you can't say, oh, you're doing it because of this. You're doing it because of that. Because if that's the case, well, that's any actually, athlete yeah, can that's, say that's that. a good point. That's a good point. As much as I'm sure Serena's felt that she's given to the game, and, and literally, it's a fact of, you know, tennis makes billions of dollars, millions of dollars off of Serena Williams. Maybe she's at that point where it's like, I've earned, you know, the benefit of the doubt in these situations, or at least for you to let, let it pass by. So I mean, give her the, so right. give her the LeBron give her the LeBron treatment. That's what she wants. She wants that superstar treatment. I mean, not even that. I think the you know, like I said, whether she's wrong or right eh, to me right now is irrelevant. It's more about the aftermath because the way people reported it and how it was brought out, it was that's the part that a lot of people are calling foul on. The actual match itself and her losing, how she lost, and the game thing. Yes, that's part of it, but it's the aftermath. You know, it was it's the it's the words like hysterical. It's the words like meltdown. It's like those type of things describing a woman athlete 
in a situation that if it was a male athlete, it would be it would have been like you know talking tough or having words with somebody or you know that kind of stuff. And I think that is the part that people are really getting to this, the issue of, not so much the actual like what happened during the match. Well, I'm gonna say this too, um, with black athletes in general in the media and with the most recent Mark Knight's cartoon, it just serves as a stark reminder how black champions are being depicted for decades. Um, If you take a look at the Mark Knight cartoon, it shows a Serena Williams. uh, It's a character of her. But the Naomi character is a white girl with blonde hair. Now, Naomi Osaka is of dark complexion, and she has blonde highlights or blonde streaks. She doesn't have all blonde hair. The the girl he drew was uh, a white woman. Now, however, to his credit, he's done this with male athletes. He's done the most. He's done a lot of satire before with other athletes. So he did not single her out. He's done it before. This is not a one-off. But I also feel on Serena. I think she may owe Naomi an apology. Maybe in private, she doesn't have to say it. But I think she took away. This was the equivalent of La La Land and Twilight actually winning. Yeah, mm-hmm. we didn't, we didn't I agree. Get, I agree. We, we didn't get to embrace yeah. Naomi as a champion. You're right. I, I agree. And, I and totally as, a, agree. As, a, as a person of color, I wanted to celebrate that and not. Talk about how Serena had a, a an outburst or these 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 trigger words. I, but what it is, it is what it is. She got pissed. She got caught for cheating, and 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 to the point, she should get the quote unquote superstar treatment for, uh, all the time because all the superstars get it, and it's because she's a woman. We have to be extra careful at that. But at the same time, if you get caught, you get caught, and you got to take that yeah. for what it and, is. And I think in yeah. general, I think the uh, you know. I think, especially for how people were treating it after, that's what just like I said. That to me, that's where I always stick on. Like just the way they they uh, presented it. Like that cartoon was horrible. It was just like it was. No, the cartoon. Was, the cartoon was bull. Yeah, and and, and, and I'm gonna say this: the last, the, the last thing is that um, you know, as a champion, she, she could be better than this. And, and look, we we're harder as people of color. We're always harder on our own. You know. And it's always an unfair advantage at the end of the day, but she has to carry herself as a champion. And, and you know, Michael Jordan got called for travel a couple times too. So a couple, know. a couple, just a couple. <laughs> you know, you're saying he wasn't perfect, you ain't perfect either. So yeah, I mean, but I will but I, I will say this though. When she threw out that that the women's right card. It, it became so hard to criticize her. It was almost like, dang, you. Well, I mean, what that, you threw what that, that is, that's a get out of jail free thing, man. You yes, you threw that. You threw that get out of jail card free, and it's like now I can't even criticize you for saying that. Well, well, but I am still. But it's like she made it very tough when she did that. It was like, oh yeah, yeah, man. But, and honestly, she wasn't. She, she wasn't wrong. I mean, that that's that. She wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. She wasn't like, wrong. The, the way the treatment has been for her and how this whole situation is. Yeah, she got fined, yeah. Fine seventeen k. She lost a game. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you look at like, I think, and again, you look at exact similar incidences and how they were treated. It just wasn't the same. So, in that respect, I think that's what it goes down to. But you know, we we talk about this with Kanye. We talk about this with Jay and other other art black artists at a certain level and athletes that they could get a different level of scrutiny because at because they're black, but then also they're at that level, and that kind of brings us. That brings us like to where the whole thing with Kaepernick now and the whole Nike campaign. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that a segue? Yes. Oh yeah, good segue. Good switch. Hey, someone's over hey, here. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Message. Um, so you know, our man Kaepernick, who hasn't played a game in what two years now? 
with the uh, he still hasn't played a game in two years, but he still has like the number with like on the top five jerseys in uh, <laughs> in NFL mm-hmm. sales as well. Oh, uh, right, wait, when you say that, keep that in mind. Yep, I was gonna say that. So I'm gonna lay out the whole thing. And also, too, who, although he hasn't been playing for two years, was still on Nike's roster of sponsored athletes. He got signed in 2011, is now 2018, and he has been part of the sponsors athletes since then. Nike did not drop him. And so they named him as the uh, the head of their new campaign that they were uh, coming out with. And, you know, very simple messaging, you know, and I thought it actually was done really, really well. And... It was done well, but it was also done on purpose because they knew by doing this specific move, they would spark conversation slash outrage slash uh, media buzz. So by naming him the face of it and then debuting this um, campaign and pushing it, like they knew they would get the outrage they would get, but they also knew they would get the love that they got. So it was like a perfect microcosm of viral campaigning, which which accounted to them to get easily an extra 30, 30 to something percent extra sales and how they're doing it. Check oh out. man, I'm, I'm, I'm about to. So oh, let, me, let me let me say I was just saying this before because we all we all ready to go, right? We ready to go on it. Oh, we ready to go on this way. Can we can we, can we say one ground level thing about that? About this? okay, in all no right, way, shape, or form, is Nike ever going to do something of pure intentions dealing with? Hey, let's get that woo, out. The let's way. let's okay? get that out the way, out the way. right? The oh, fuck now trying to make that argument. It's like, I why are you even bringing woke. that to the conversation? <laughs> yeah, let's 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 get. We're gonna get that out the way right now. I thought right Nike now. Was woke. <laughs> Nike, yo, I, I guess I'll start off first. I don't, but Nike's, I, Nike's I, Apple I, next year. I'm, a, I'm, a, yo, I'm gonna say this, and this is the cap. This is to Nike. I'm all for the awareness. I'm all for. That's it, but. If you're making a bottom line off this and you're capitalizing off it, then everything here is all a sham to me. Because 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 we always keep saying sacrifice. Muhammad Ali did a little sacrifice. He didn't get a dime. He he sacrificed his oh, career. Wait a minute, minute and he got paid off of his appearances on college campuses. Oh. I think he maybe he didn't have the endorsements, but he got paid while he was he ain't making no capital money. He ain't with Nike. He no, was no, not he ain't he, making no cap in that, right, no. That's what I'm talking about. He not with he's not he's he's not making more money than what other boxers was making when he was out the game. So Cap is Cap is making but 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 Ali wasn't sitting around like you know uh, uh, begging for of, arms, you know what I'm saying? Of, of course, but he made the message clear, he sacrificed for the cause. I'm not saying Kaepernick didn't do that, but I guess this is more for Nike. If Nike's doing this just to make money, I think this is all f- a sham. Well, the question, and I know we're all ready to go, but the question is, you know, because we we question Nike's intentions, and what, do you question Colin Kaepernick's intentions? Because this is not purely about the movement. Do I question Kaepernick? Um, I'll put it to you this way, Cliff. If he's, if he, damn, see, once you start making money, everything changes. So that's yeah. a good question. I can't really answer well, I that. I can't really answer that. This is how I look at it. It's, it's basically is like, can you be corporate woke? And I think that, ooh, that's going to be the title of the podcast now. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but anyway, yeah, but, but, but that's what it comes down to, though. Can you be corporate woke? And this is the part where people are kind of struggling with because they're just like, all right, here's Kaepernick, who 
prior to this campaign and all this craziness had been, you know, he had been, he got hundred percent blackballed by the NFL. Uh, you know, there are a bunch of bums that are, are quarterbacks right now and cap who is not dope. He is average to maybe like one step above average should, you know, so he should actually be in the NFL anyways, but he'd already been doing all his philanthropy stuff and all that. So the fact that a, you know, uh, a major corporation realizes that, okay, here's one of our best-selling uh, uh, jerseys and, you know, we're making a new campaign. Let's put him on the face. Boom. That gives us quote unquote street cred. Plus we can make money that, and then <coughs> Kaepernick gets to get his message out even more. Black people have a little bit more of a symbol that they want to roll. It looks like everyone's happy in all these little realms. So I think it's more interesting where people are like, when people become woke or quote unquote, which I hate the word, but I keep saying it is, uh, once money's involved, everyone automatically thinks it's a bad thing. Like, what if the money that he's using, he's been using, which he has been. If you go on the site, you can see all the all the philanthropy stuff he does. It's like if Nike is backing Cap, but he's using all that you money to do good stuff. Broke. Yeah, I'm like, yo, man, make it happen. I think that's dope. Yeah, you're only you righteous if you're broke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know what? You know what? I'm not gonna call it negative because at the end of the day, Nike is a business. So they got to do what they have to do to make money. And I, and I, but you got, it better be some proceeds going to something. I'm telling you that shit right now. It, 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 that, because, because, if, because you, you can't sit here and tell me we're doing it for a cause, but my jersey still costs $49.99. Yeah, why not? My, my Kaepernick shirt is going to cost you $100, we're, but we're I still, believe in a cause. Why not? I, I, still, we still live in a capitalist society. And I think this is the aspect of, well, like you said, you but, can't be righteous and, and be broke at the same time. It's because this is the most interesting thing to me where um, for, for, some, for some odd reason, unless you are pious and, you know, you got sandals with no socks and you're walking around being all broke and asking for hand-me-outs, then you can be righteous. But if you actually get paid off of doing good things, then people are like, oh, I don't know, man, where's that money going? What's this? What are you doing? And it's like, dude, if you look at all the stuff that Kaepernick's been doing up until this point, all he's been pretty transparent. Like, yo, I'm giving a hundred thousand so dollars a year. He's, he's, he's giving away millions of his own money for, yeah. for his causes. Yeah, 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 right. But but so you're gonna try me a, a Kaepernick hoodie's gonna a Afro Kaepernick hoodie's gonna cost me fifty dollars? I gotta I gotta pay for that. Hey, that's all. If you want, if you, it's just like Beyonce. Yo, if you, uh, how how much is the movement? How much is the movement for Beyonce's uh concerts? Two hundred ten dollars. All right, I guess the movement costs two hundred ten dollars now. The thing is, we the and the thing is, we we mistake you know what effective activism is a lot of the times because you know we we see somebody that stays broke like Gandhi, right? You know, obviously he changed the world, but a lot of times people on the ground for the most part they never reach that level, right? And True. they still have to feed themselves, feed their families or whatever. And there is a bit of, of whether it's self-righteousness or a level of um, attention seeking in a person that, right, doesn't take any money and just wants to be broke because they feel they're more righteous than somebody else. And they get a dopamine rush in that. So that's not always entirely pure in itself. True that. That's from that true. as well. Because you know that feeling of of moral superiority is also a form of 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 not not selfishness, but it makes them feel good, you know. Yeah, I'm also curious too because I think you know I've had this conversation before. It's like you know what is the correct thing to do? Exactly. So to not do the exactly. campaign and do that. You know, like I'm I'm still not there yet. Like but, I was like, but, Cam, Cam, you could kind of kind him on this. But, okay, so. Um, Here's a new title for you, Cam. It's called Conscious Capitalism. <laughs> that's, even, that's, even, that's even worse. I like that's even worse. Right <laughs> All right. And, 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 and 
conscious capitalism is a sneaky bastard at heart. Um, so it's basically Nike is saying basically we can get marketed, quote unquote, branded, quote unquote, and revolution, quote unquote. Um, now let's 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 take a step back. Let's rewind. Uh, I want to say maybe the early '80s to a time where Nike was just coming up, and there was a commercial coming out um, for a shoe that Nike was promoting, and it used the Beatles song that was owned by Michael Jackson at the time. But that's neither her nor, neither here nor there, and they used a the song "Revolution." Paul McCartney, who did not own the rights to his song anymore, heard it on the Nike commercial and was freaking livid. And he was like, I did not want this song about revolution to be selling sneakers. Fast forward to modern day times where we have Kaepernick. Now, personally, I am a fan of Kaepernick. I am a fan of what he stands for, uh, what his movement is about. Um, he's a good dude. Uh, I didn't like the Niners. That was my own personal bias, but <laughs> outside of that, being a uh, quote unquote revolutionary, trying to bring awareness to uh, African Americans being murdered by law enforcement, that I was 100% behind. And I was behind him because he was getting black, and he still is getting blackballed by the NFL. I truly believe that. <clears throat> However, there is a fine line between, uh, you know, being conscious and doing this for the people, but then when Nike stepped in, my first reaction is bullshit. It's black capitalism and it's taken over. You know what I'm saying? So I, like I look at it as like, yeah, we know Nike is not, his true intention is not to step behind and say we're behind Cap. And all these people with these, these narratives where they're burning shoes. Well, remember when NWA was having all these records like fuck the police and all that, and these people were stepping on the albums, but at the end of the day, you still were buying it. And Nike's laughing their ass off. Um, you, you talk about the jerseys. Yeah, Nike. Low-key, Nike been supporting Kaepernick. Kaepernick is fine. Low-key, Nike been he's been sponsored by Nike for before all this deal went through. And they're just seizing a moment because they know the black community who's already behind Kaepernick is going to get behind him even more because they're yep. going to buy his jersey. Before the Nike ad came out, people were buying this jersey just to support him anyway. Nike saw that as an opportunity to get money and sell money. What's Nike's thing agenda at the end of the day? To make Money. Oh yeah, just do it. Just do it. But also, I mean, it was uh, smart because I'm sorry. Go on, Kim. What I was gonna say is the other thing too is going back to like said capitalist situation is you know I'm laughing because people have because we live again goes back to social media. The uh, social media activists is kind of like oh I could do my hashtag and support Cap or whatever and be like okay cool I'm now I'm down with the cause or I could buy a Cap jersey which you know you go to his website now he has pre sales for the Kaepernick Seven it's all in black and that kind of stuff cool it's probably going to cost as much as the other jerseys how much do jerseys cost now what seventy five eighty bucks about a hundred well depends it depends yeah so I think the other part too which I always laugh about the whole um, anti capitalism part of it is. Is the fact that people like get mad at people trying to make a buck, <laughs> like yo, Nike's just doing this so they can get money. It's like, yeah, they're but that's like duh, <laughs> that's what they do. Like, it's on you whether you want to support that or not. And if you don't want to, that's completely fine. But I don't see no one freaking uh burning, burning any of their uh their Jordans. Right? I, I, think, I, I think the what? negative connotation comes through like when you go to church, the church is for the people. But at the end of the day, they get that collection plate, and then you see the preacher outside with the nice whip. You're like, man, hold up! You're supposed to be for the people. You got yeah. Nice Cadillac, and so that kind of that connotation kind of 
segues into when we see people who try to do good, but also make money and they're kind of seizing off the machine that they're kind of against. So it kind of goes twofold. You have to walk a fine line. You know, Tommy Smith and John Carlos didn't get no endorsement deals when they were nope. drafted. They even lost their uh they lost their scholarships when they scholarship, came out. They, they, they got the degree when I graduated. Yeah, but, yeah. But that was like what 30 years later, 40 years, 30 years later? later. But I'm saying so like does that mean times have changed? Um, a little bit. It just means that you know activism is profitable. So times have changed as far as what? When you say times have changed, well, exactly what Cam said, where activism is is profitable. Yeah, yeah. When, when you were blackballed because like Ali, like they took they took his prime years, three prime years. He didn't get no endorsement deals. No, uh, hey, he was broke. <laughs> yeah. So nowadays, yeah, cap is lost, but low key. Remember, Nike sponsored this dude. His jerseys were still selling. He was still collecting a check. At the end of the day, don't don't make it seem like Cap because he was blackballed out of the league that he wasn't getting any money. He was still getting paid. And I'm not taking anything away from the brother. Like I said, I root for the brother because of what he stands for outside of the NFL, which is a whole different beast. But let's not paint the picture that Cap that like Cap's pure agenda was still be broken and try to make right. call. No, he was he was doing his due diligence, but he was he also had a backup plan. Too. I also think that he's done a good job of transitioning into you know making a second life. Like you, you're not you can't be an athlete anymore. You got blackballed. Now what are you gonna do? So mm-hmm. what he's been doing? Philanthropy uh-huh. stuff. He's been speaking. He's been working with other artists that want to do other because that's that's the his ten for ten. And, you know, and his, his, his his plans to do you know a lot of the future uh, uh, work that he's trying to do. It's gonna take some money, you know what I'm saying? And I don't know how much the was left in his deal from when he got the endorsement deal with Nike all those years ago. But for what he's trying to do, he's gonna need a nice amount of money to build out that infrastructure but, if he never gets a job in the NFL again. But Cliff, it's almost like an activist being sponsored by Don King. Like you can't, you cannot, you cannot deal with somebody who's all about money. And when you deal with Nike, that's a, that's a corporate business that's only intent. Is only intent is to make money, so that alone dilutes your whole message to me. I love the commercial. I love what it stands for. I don't. I don't think it dilutes his whole message. I think it's just like I take it as a marker as to where you know the culture is because Cam said, Cam with a K said that you know this is black (laughs) black capitalism, right? And he's right. That's a whole nother discussion of of a level of of how the Western economic system works that that's I don't know how many years in the future of being able to systematically break down or deal with. But, but that's why I said that, that little though. Yeah, no, but but I'm saying I'm just saying you know for what we can do right now, if yeah if we can get the cultural conversation to go in the direction, if we can use Nike, and maybe that's Colin Kaepernick's plan. If I can use Nike to take the cultural conversation in a certain direction for that small win right now, how can we build on that in the future? Yep. And I think but that's, does that's, a, that's a, better, a better way to do it because if you're, I think the the problem that I think what comes down to a lot of it is like there, say for instance, Black Lives Matter, right? So there's a there's an actual Black Lives Matter website, a charter, the whole nine. Then there's break off groups in different cities. Certain cities have actually broken with Black Lives Matter, the main charter, because they don't agree with certain things. So now they're doing it on their own and they're independent. So Black Lives Matter, the main group, there I think there are three women, three or four, and so they're starting to work with other nonprofits and all that kind of stuff. So some of the stuff, some of the moves that they're making is are is not vibing with the DC chapter, the New York chapter, I think Philly as well. So they broke off and now they're doing their own thing. So it all just depends on your first uh, your certain philosophy. I think I give uh, cap. Uh, props for saying, all right, look, 
if I bought, if, I, if I'm going to do some stuff, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. All right, I'm going to give away, you know, ten thousand dollars, uh, you know, or however, I think it was a hundred thousand dollars a month to different charities. I'm going to be transparent with it. And if I get this money from Nike, I'm going to take the money I got from Nike to be sustainable. And then you do good with that money. And I think that's the part that people always get wrong where when someone says corporate or, or capitalism or business, they automatically think it's a negative thing, which 95% of the time it is. But if you actually take that money and do well with it, then I think that's, that is a good thing. But to Kim's point, does, does, does cap really need Nike for this movement? hundred percent. Because the, because the position that he already made, he already had a backing already for that, for the protest. Well, movements cost money, bro. As much as everybody you know wants to talk yeah, about, yeah, I was gonna say that. It's not that, and I want to be like hashtagging and oh, I'm down with the cause, uh, blah 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 blah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. It's not that Kaepernick needs Nike. It's not that he needs Nike, but it's nice to have that money. Mm-hmm. And now so you then, have- therefore, so therefore, are we doing this for the money? Or are we doing this for the cause? I think you could no, do it for no, both. No. I don't think I don't think it'll have to be mutually exclusive. I think that's the part. That's the diff. That's the problem. I think right now everybody wants to be this hundred percent pure, uh, one way or the other, and it's not. It, 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 and in this current state of capitalism, you, you you're basically going to have to figure out how you can merge the two. I feel you. it was just a question. I'm not saying that's how I stand Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, could, uh, do I want them to be separate from all these corporate corporations? Hell yeah, I do. Because you know, at the end of the day, they ain't with us. They're not really with us. They're not oh, for no. us. Well, so, they're, with us. they're with us as long as we keep buying, you know, Nike shoes. Because <laughs> no, yeah, people yeah. buy more Nike <laughs> shoes than the white people. So, I mean, Yo, yeah. if, if Cap was really bad for business, mm-hmm. they, they wouldn't do this move. They, yeah. they know. Oh, that's a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. So, this is a, a genius marketing move for me on, on the way I look at it. And I think this. Con- conscious yeah. Oh, yeah. Capitalism. No, conscious capitalism is, is. And this is the one thing I'll say is, and I've said this before too, is the if we want to change this aspect of things, I think we mm-hmm. have to be, we have to start investing in ourselves. So I like that Cap was reaching out to other artists and athletes and then doing that mm-hmm. 10 for 10 thing. Like, yo, I'm going to put 10K of my money. You're going to put 10K of your money. We'll give it to this uh, you know, thing. I think that is dope and we need more. That's dope. And so, yeah. need, so what, what we need in on a higher level is the Jay-Z's, the Diddy's, the Oprah's, the people that have that, um, did the Dre's and all that, that have that type of money. All right, well, let's start a VC fund and let's start, let's fund Cap because he's doing things for the people, blah, 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 blah. So now he doesn't have to have corporate money. But until those type of things start to happen, you're, you're going to have to figure out where you're going to get your, your meal from and then until you become uh, sustainable. Well, and I and, and I'm and I'm still rock my Nike, but I just I I, I kind of it's almost like I know they're for the cause, but at the same time when I see you with a line for this, you're about you're about your bottom line too. Oh, so for, for a fact, I mean we we wasn't burning. Also, to the people that was burning Nike, she wasn't burning them with age workers. Yeah, yeah, Nike been trash like as far as corruption and all that other stuff that they be doing out behind the scenes so now all of a sudden a dude that's standing for righteous is is getting sponsored and, and getting put pushed to the forefront and now y'all want to be upset you know maybe the maga hats is made by nike i ain't burning them you know what i'm saying so word up good point good and point. also too you have to remember as well look look at how <laughs> uh shoe deals are switch are switching now so you have uh, non-athletes starting to get shoes. Kevin Hart has a shoe. Gary Vee has a shoe. Like they're starting, they're starting to look at. Yeah, exactly. Why? Steph, 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 Steph
Because I mean, Gary V. Wait, 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 but you still Jordan. found Mulberry played in the league, though. Yeah, Eddie's a child. Yeah, Gary, Gary V. Is the, the Michael Jordan of his space, yo, right? So this is yeah. broadened out from years past, where it's Kevin, not just about Kevin Hart. It's more you know, about the, uh, it's more about the influence, less about the before mm-hmm. the influence was always an athlete. Now it's starting to switch. So as you start to see non-athletes get shoes, it's now it switches the dynamic of what is an influencer and who is popular. So someone yeah. like a Kevin Hart, who right now is arguably the the hottest comedian on the planet right now in terms of selling out arenas, blah, 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 blah. He has his own shoe. And Gary Vee, who's in the, the realm of marketing and PR and all that kind of stuff, he has his own shoe. So it is now changing the dynamic of like, why would you, you know, what's a shoe and all that kind of stuff and that influence. I want yeah. my own shoe because I'm the best in my apartment complex. I guess that is. <laughs> Word. <laughs> Word. I, want, I, I want a sneaker just like y'all. Word <laughs> up. Give me but, a scarf and show. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's the most interesting part. Like, I'm, I'm, I think it was a good move. It was a good move on both parties. It was a good move for uh, Nike because they're going to make more money and they get to be viral without spending that much money. It was a good move on Cap because now he could use that influence and that and to spread as much. Because if you notice, Kaepernick doesn't do interviews. Like, he rarely ever does it. He lets everyone else talk. He goes, does his thing, does his charity stuff. His girl talks for him, everybody else. But he never actually does it. Because he's never the, 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 he doesn't want to yeah. be that. Even though people put him as the face, if you notice, he's not the most vocal out of every, every time there's a conversation. I know? mean, this, this is neither here nor there, but you need to hear. Actually, you know what? No, I'm not going to say that because I'm going to get in trouble. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> don't get fired. Don't, don't get fired. Don't, Yo, all I know is sometimes, sometimes, Look, I'm not. Sometimes Kaepernick can sometimes put a foot in his mouth. Sometimes, like when he, he said, he, when, he, when he said he didn't vote. Yeah, like, man, I was gonna say that. So yes, and we have a big thing with voting, and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah no, I know, I, I so, can't agree with you on that. So, it's annoying, and it's annoying because I think again, old black people all chimed in saying how oh, that was horrible, that was stupid, blah blah blah. You have a big platform, you shouldn't say that. Everybody if he vote, didn't vote, yeah, I would have never told no one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it would have been better for him just not to say it, honestly. Yeah, and, that's that's and, a PR move. Yeah, but even but even then when he said it, you know, there's it could go if you want to get really deep with it, you know, he registered to vote in California more left-leaning bay area even more left-leaning so does his vote count actually doesn't but we don't want to get into all those i don't think that's what he meant though but it was the symbolism of it that people were mad about and i think that aspect of it because i think i think he meant that i don't vote in the presidential like because it doesn't really matter and blah blah no no i mean he was he's again he actually was correct at that time but i think Mm. it's unfortunate that you know in this time the the optics matter and it's and you need and and unfortunately if you are a black person in the public eye whether you're rich or not or whatever you're you're basically have the the the, the race on your back for anything that you do so when you say something stupid that's a reflection of you know the whole culture as opposed to oh why are you making us look bad as opposed to just like oh well that one black dude that everyone knows didn't vote but it doesn't mean that all the black people don't vote you know Yep. Yeah, I, I at the end of the day, I'm kind of meh on the movement. Like I'm, I got a ride with Kaepernick, but he teamed up with Nike, one of the biggest like conglomerates of bullshit. And I mean, look, we all grew up wearing Nikes. I get it. You know, it's a sneaker thing, culture, hip hop, blah blah blah. But to get behind, like they're taking our struggle and profiting off of it at the end of the day. And I have a problem with that. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna be honest. I don't agree with Cap being with Nike. But if the struggle needs to get funded, I guess it's no better place to start it with Nike. But I have, I have, I, I have a real issue with it, and I, I yeah. can't say, 
oh, this is this is some steps in the right direction, even though it might not be the best step, it's a start. No, hell no. I don't agree with this move. Um, yeah. Because it's bigger than just being supported by a, a big corporation. That's just my two cents on it. I agree like I said, with you. I, 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 like I said, at the end of the day, I want to I rock with, with Kaepernick, but um, also I can't get behind how not only Nike, but a lot of corporations have been trying to market our struggle and profit. Mm-hmm. Off of it. Yeah, we I'm agree. Agree. That's, I'm that's, agree. That's, my, that's my struggle. Yeah, Let me give Cam with a K props real quick because a lot of people that generally are behind Cap and uh, support his movement, um, they've gotten the, the corporate part of it in, the, in some of the think pieces, right? But at the same time, they've kind of left Cap alone. Like he's kind of you know, off limits beyond critique, right? But I give you props for also critiquing him. I don't know if that's because people don't want social media to come off after them for critiquing cap but even though i don't 100 agree with you it's all fair game yeah and i think also it's what you kind of need i think it's not a bad like again depending on you know where you land on the capitalism side you know we, you know we all have friends or socialists people are capitalists whatever but i think you kind of need that healthy debate in my i think in in the at the end of the day for me I thought it was a good move because how else would you have that much of a viral presence about your message on a global scale where if he didn't take that and they just picked, you know, Serena Williams or whatever, whoever else you want to pick, we wouldn't be having this conversation. It would just be like, oh, yeah, Cap's still suing the NFL. He's doing his, like, philanthropy stuff, blah, 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 keep it moving. And so now by doing this one move, it puts shines a big light on, like, the, A, the quote-unquote movement, B, you know, the whole Nike and the capitalism and people start to have that conversation. Cause again, people always forget not everyone, not everyone hates capitalism and not everyone loves it. Like, you know, there's tons of people that hate it and there's some people that actually like it. And so in that, in that big muck of it, I think uh, black people have to kind of figure out where we land in that, in that realm, because you know, what we are intellectual property and content and what we create is always uh, used to get profited, profited uh, and we still haven't figured out a way to, keep and profit for ourselves if you want to put it that way you know so there's a few select few and everyone's like oh yeah they made it but like on a general scale like you know is what kaepernick is doing helping the culture but i don't even know what the culture is at this point in terms of what what do you need help with <laughs> yeah and answer your question cliff about why nobody touch cap i think it's almost like oh hey go another brother bringing down another brother when he's trying to do something positive you know that's so true. that's a very good point too his, his positive message you, you you would want that to outlast the little negative that you know that's coming about. Well, so okay, that's that's true. But you know, the, one of the writers I saw was actually I'm pretty sure he was white. I think his reason is because he perceives Cap to be a sympathetic figure in his fight for what he believes in, and mm-hmm. any type of criticism of him brings down the movement overall. And it doesn't mean that, but because everybody's in this race of keeping up appearances, right? And mm-hmm. it's all about trying to make sure that you know your side looks best at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. uh, that's that's definitely yeah. a good point. I mean, and it also goes back to you know the the critiques part, like you said, like we like no one can say anything bad about Beyonce or no one can say anything bad about blah 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 blah. And so when we when uh, you do like, I actually think for for instance, I actually like a lot of the philanthropy stuff that Kaepernick's been doing, and I'm curious to see how he's going to keep going with it and where he's going to go with this. It'll be very, very interesting to see in the long run now that because uh, before football was almost there, sort of, but now football's pretty much done. So now now where is he going to go with it and how is he going to you know 
move in that realm right. because there's not that many people in his uh at his public uh appear like you know public eye that are doing what he's doing you know there's tons of people that are doing what he's doing but not at this level of uh publicity that people actually know but, people, all white people know all stuff too but can you know it's funny like what cam said i just wish the the movement that he made i just wish his backing was from his own pocket instead of a big corporation my thing is uh, because, I, 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 because I, he has all I it takes is a million dollars it only takes is a million Two hundred thousand. Nope. Just put, put because once you once you put a corporation to back you like that, again people's gonna say, "Yo, man, so, you're only doing this for a certain reason. Okay, like, you so, don't need Nike for this message." So let's, so let's add the hypothetical, right? So what if he was backed by uh, Tristan Thompson? Uh, not Tristan Thompson. Tristan. Um, oh, I forgot his last name, but he's the owner and CEO of Bevel, right? Black dude, black owned company. He's making pretty good. He's about to. I think he's about to go uh, public later on this year. And so he is a corporate company. Like he's not for the people or he does, he does products specifically for black uh, hair and all that kind of stuff. And he's actually becoming a larger company, uh, uh, corporation and all that. So is it different if he partnered with a smaller, but black company, or does it have to always not be, or does he have to be broke and figure out a way to do it? Like, you know, in a certain way that will appease, that will appease the people like, Hey, okay. man, we want you to do good things, but do it somehow with some for some some money that comes out of nowhere because you know we just want you to feel but we, we want to feel better about supporting you as opposed to supporting some corporate entity as people want to go back to answer your question to answer your question i wouldn't even go to corporate route i will go to my fellow nfl players who's backing me and say yo such and such such and such let's all put up some money and let's start a campaign therefore there is no corporation that's going to get the money off the backdrop this is this is just us because like you 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 mean to tell me you can't call, you, try to find some way to mess that up? I mean, you, even you, on a larger level, like all most athletes or not most, but uh, a lot of the smarter ones do have their own nonprofits and they do a lot of work in the communities and stuff, which is dope. I think that's awesome. Um, but as at the scale and the level of that, yeah, I think that's that. It always just comes back to that scale and level. You know, it's like I think for the black community, we always want people to be this altruistic person, but at the same time, we always want them to be a very specific type of altruistic person. So, like, be, quick question, like, and this is this is sort of a tangent, but you know, in the same realm, because you know, you could say that also about the editor-in-chief at Afropunk leaving mm -hmm. because of how, uh, I guess, commercialized he feels it is now. Like, because for mm -hmm. him, he was just saying that his main point was that, you know, when we first started, we were more pure, right? We were really down for the people and we really were about black empowerment and black beauty and black, black excellence. And now the main people there, they don't really care about that. It's just more about corporatized black excellence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's Afro a good point. You talking about Afro Chella? <laughs> yeah, <basically. laughs> that's what it is now. But I mean, but uh, and this is the problem that all uh, grassroots uh, organizations and you know everything starts with. They start with a, they start with the dream and an idea, and they're scrappy and they make it happen. And then you're right, they you get to a certain point where like, okay, do you make this a thing or you just keep being scrappy? And then they're like, well, let's make it a thing. All right, so now here comes in corporate money now. Now the changes coming is is it going to be more amenable to everyone or is it just going to be how you well, it's, almost, to it's almost it's almost like a paradox it's like for the growth that you want for the people that you want to reach you're not going to be able to stay that small underground most deaf talib quali thing in the late 90s you know you're not going to yeah. be able to stay that forever if you're going to want to grow and reach as many people as you're trying to reach yeah but i mean I, 
I just wish, I just wish, if you're going to talk about the struggle, have some people that's going to back you who know about the struggle. That's that's all I'm trying to say. Like, if you're going to, because you're impacting a lot of people to Cam's point. Like, when it comes to the, when it comes to discrimination, all the stuff he's talking about, that's very sensitive, man. And at what point is it really going to mean something? Or uh, for real, for real, yeah, for real, for real. If, if in the election year, say, so Kaepernick oh. makes an announcement like uh, LeBron, right, and he says he's yeah. going to start a school like like how LeBron did, would would that make you feel a little bit better? Repeat, repeat that one more time, so I could repeat that one more time, Cliff. Like if Kaepernick within the next year or so announced that he was going to do a school like how LeBron did, would that make you feel a little bit better? <laughs> <laughs> now, now no, you see. Now, 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 are you are you saying that based off of he got the money to do that because of the because yeah, of Nike? Exactly. That's what you're trying to apply. Yeah, the put up. And that's the up, angle. Yeah. yeah. You, you see that? <laughs> I like you think you slick on that one too, Clay. <laughs> I'm honestly asking. I'm honestly asking because it's a possibility. Well, you know what? If it's if you know what if it's a you're saying take blood money to, for a greater good? That's what exactly, saying. exactly. That's what he said, Kev. That's what he said. It all comes down to the integrity of Kaepernick. If he knows where the money is coming from and the intentions yeah. of the company, that's a moral and ethical decision that he needs to make. Now, yeah. if he, now this, this is like in the movies. We have those villains that are sacrificed for the greater good, like Thanos. <laughs> he, he thinks his truth is going to be for the betterment of the world and he will be willing to sacrifice that intermediate uh, hurt for a longer lasting happiness and if yeah. Kaepernick feels that way then maybe so be it That's that that all falls out on the individual yeah that's individual yeah that's individual as we were just talking I was actually curious so I, I looked up Beyonce she has two charities that she fools with she has her own one it's like be good or Bay Good, sorry. And then she has another one, Chime, Chime for Change, which is uh, co-founded with uh, Sama Hayek. But their major fact, their major funder is Gucci. <laughs> and <laughs> there's a big old founded by Gucci on here, which is really hilarious. So it's interesting to kind of see that aspect of it because I think if there's a big thing in um, uh, entrepreneur right now, and there's you know, both sides of it. But one of it is there's like this thing called social entrepreneurship where you start a business with the intention of affecting a social change. So you, you're, it's baked into your charter. So you're basically a nonprofit thinking, but you're actually making money at the same time. So some people say that's bullshit. You can't do it. Other people are like, oh, this is actually not a bad of idea. Um, so it's interesting to see where that kind of falls into because in a perfect world, say for instance, if you do um, more on the socialism aspect, where you actually treat people like people, then that would actually work. That that we then we wouldn't have these. Well, that's things. that's that's the hard part. It's like how do you go from you know when you think of four hundred years of slavery, capitalism, and do slavery to just straight utopia? Yeah, you know exactly. what I'm saying. It just, yeah, just, that's true. You can't Yo, really make that hop. Like again, that. we've only been out of slavery for like how long? Like less than hundred years? Some craziness mm -hmm. like like something stupid like that. So again, it goes back to like if Cap wasn't part of this uh the, the campaign and he was still doing what you were doing would people be even talking about it no they wouldn't they would just be like oh no, they would yeah cap cap's talking to, to he's suing the nfl he's doing some good stuff over here he's doing you know working with the kids he's doing you know uh speeches and all that kind of stuff working with different athletes but no one would be having this conversation and so i think now so i think it was it was good on it was smart on a capitalist business aspect for Nike to whoever put the campaign together to be like, yo, we need to get that dude because that will increase a thing. But it was also, I think, it's smart on Caps and just because he's like, all right, well, let's see. If I can 
be on this campaign that gives that brings my message to a larger audience and makes it even bigger now what am i going to do with it now but i think that's i'm curious to see what happens next okay him. now that's an interesting question because this is where it is on cap it's like you've gotten all this attention this press this money all right how do you move forward now this is the hard part for you i mean yeah yep. the, the nfl stuff like uh uh Standing up, know your rights, and um, taking a knee, all that stuff. Obviously, that was a Herculean effort. But now it's like, all right, the real work is starting to happen. You're getting all this back in. What you got next for us? And it better be something good. And yes, like you got the spotlight on you. Yeah, yeah, no, I told yeah, you. Yeah, I agree. Well, I agree too on that one. Yeah, I told the you. stage is yours. The stage is yours. You got the criticism, rightfully so. Good criticism because this is what you needed. What are you going? You got to talk. You cannot sit back and only talk in commercials. You you can't do that because now I'm gonna see you as a hypocrite. You just like Nike and everybody else. I mean, so, I, I can't even take you serious because all I see is your forehead moving. We're gonna wrap it up. And get to the final words. And what's your final word? My final word is I'm hoping Thursday we're supposed to get like a category for hurricane. I'm just hoping everything is smooth and everybody's safe. And if it is, then we'll be talking about my Neo Giants next week. <laughs> oh Lord. Uh Cam, what's your uh, final word? Uh I'm gonna say <laughs> My heart really goes out to anyone rooting for an uh, 0 one team. I can't relate to that level of poverty, but you're in my prayer. <laughs> jab, jab, stab, stab. <laughs> uh, Cliff, what's your uh, final word? Well, I guess to stay on the sports analogy, I don't watch football, but, you know, I watch basketball from time to time. And I'm really interested, interested to see how next season we go from record Record of shot attempts to a new record of shot attempts with these rule changes, which is going to be insane and ridiculous. You go to safe fan, right? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was a little bit too much. Nah, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll just mess with you. I'll just mess because the the bandwagon is real. The bandwagon is real, man. Yeah, save, save, save it for the NBA special. Yeah, yeah, yeah NBA we'll special. we'll say that. Yeah. Uh, see my final word. My final word is of uh, lately. I've been listening to this podcast called The Wilderness, and it, it's a breakdown of politics and the whole democratic process, and more on the Democrat uh, side. But it talks about everything from the election of Obama to the uh, election of Trump to all of Obama's failures to all of his positives to all of Trump's failures to all of Trump's failures. <laughs> and um, but it's super nerdy and it's super wonky, but it's actually really dope because there's a um, one specific episode they talk about diversity and how the cha- the changing diversity of, of the electorate and how you have to vo- uh, the voting is and everything else. And so it's actually super dope because it talks to a lot of experts, talk about basically how you know white people are going to be the minority sooner than they think, and more and more uh, people of color, women, and everything else need to actually pay attention. And the one positive thing about this whole Trumpito uh, reign is that people actually pay attention to politics now. And now they're starting to see how fucked up it is. It has always been. And now they're actually actively trying to change it, whether it's running for office, whether it's getting involved, whether it's paying attention. And I think that part is actually pretty dope. So I would, yep. it's, a, it's by the Crooked Media folks. And um, I think there's like 11, 10 episodes now, but it's definitely pretty dope. Um, there is one topic we didn't discuss. Maybe we'll get on it next time. Is uh, crazy rich Asians? I still 
I think we should talk about that, but we'll say that for another episode. Yeah, yeah, we could, we could do yeah. a, a little uh, Crazy Rich Asians uh, review because I, I watched it, Cam watched it, and then when everyone else does, we'll catch up and we'll we'll chime in before the time is over. But okay. this is the table of truth, and we are out. One. Peace. Peace. You can listen and download to all of our episodes of the Table of Truth on iTunes. Just search the Table of Truth podcast.